You are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss alongside Ulysses Sembrano, and we're the host of the Locked on Rays podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. You can subscribe to Locked on Rays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Odyssey, iHeartRadio, and online at fanstreamsports.com. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play Locked on Rays. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked on Rays, and you can email us lockedonrays at gmail.com. Well, on today's episode of the podcast, we have a very, very, very special and important guest, and that is David Sampson, who is the longtime president of the Miami Marlins and the Montreal Expos. And he has a lot of thoughts and viewpoints on the Tampa Bay Rays stadium saga and more. We get thoughts from him. Without further ado, hope you enjoy. David Sampson, host of the very popular Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast, also longtime president of the Montreal Expos and World Series champion Miami Marlins, was a contestant on Survivor and is a big-time movie aficionado. David, did I miss anything? Did I, did I cover the, the background, the bio there? I think you got it all. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for reaching out. Of course, certainly. And I can't think of really a better person out there that is more qualified to discuss baseball stadium negotiations, as you, of course, finalize the public-private partnership to build uh, the new Miami Marlins Park, which is now a Lone Depot Park, I think it is. I, I can't I, – always name changes with that. Don't um, forget the capital D. Small L, capital D, small P. Yeah. You got it. There we go. Very good. <laughs> Um, so first off, David, hypothetical question. If the Rays, the Tampa Bay Rays or another uh, team, another MLB franchise out there came to you and said, David, we really like your background and your experience, and we want you to be our next president. We want you to run our team with a salary that is about equal with what you were making with the Miami Marlins. Would you take that job? Would you take that job again in baseball or are you too happy with what you're doing in sports media right now? So I've had such a great life, so lucky, so privileged, and I've gotten to do so many interesting things from running business uh, business in Europe to being on Wall Street to being in baseball. I did baseball for 18 years. Uh, we won a World Series, built a ballpark, lost 100 games, uh, signed players, traded players, hosted an all-star game, World Baseball Classic, <clears throat> all sorts of cool stuff. I don't want to do it anymore. And the reason I'm good at what I do now, and I don't mean that to be a flex or to sound sort of like it's an ego talking, but I'm willing to say what's really going on. I'm willing to say things that are true because that's the brand of nothing personal. But I talk as though I don't want to get back in the game because I don't. And the reason why I'm able to compete with so many of the other gas bags out there is they're not willing to say anything interesting because they're too busy looking for their next job. I love what I'm doing now and I wouldn't stop. Yeah. Talking about that honesty and, and what you provide now in, in media, there's a critical subject, obviously, uh, being a race fan uh, from an outside perspective, this whole stadium issue and something that has been bugging us for the last few years is that sister city concept. Uh, 
is that a viable option to actually happen? I mean, is, does the world actually exist where the MLBPA says, yeah, have players do this? I mean, is this viable? Yes or no? I think we should all start holding our breath for there to be a Tampa, Montreal, two-city solution. Ready? Let's do it on three. One, two, three. Oh, I can't hold it anymore. Ow. Oh, I'm turning blue. Zero chance. Zero. I don't care what Stu Sternberg says, and I've known him forever. Don't care. I don't care what Stephen Bronfman says. I've known him for years too. There is zero chance that you will get two stadiums built, two TV deals, two sets of salespeople, then players to have two sets of homes, one in Tampa, one in Montreal. It's a non-starter. It's all based on leverage. It's all based on trying to have options out there so you can get the better deal either in Tampa or what Stu really wants is to move that team out of Tampa somewhere else or to sell it at a huge profit and, and be done. And I don't blame him for putting a false narrative out there because that was my specialty. That's what you do when you run and own a team is you do not a bait and switch. It's you do a misdirection in order to get people worried in the public. And I don't mean just fans. I'm talking about politicians and their aides and the politicians' families and their children and grandchildren. Oh, my God, we're going to lose our team. Please do something, dad, mom, grandma, grandpa. So this is all part of a long-term strategy in order to get a ballpark built in Tampa or to get the team out of it. And when you talk about Tampa Bay and maybe even shipping the whole team out, like Stu, that, that might be an option. Is it because Tampa is not viable uh, as a baseball city? Uh, because from our perspective, maybe we're a little bit too biased, but we, you look at the TV numbers, the race rate very highly in, in, in TV audience. So, so do you think that Tampa is actually Hillsborough County, not St. Pete, does Tampa actually have enough fans to build a stadium and, and be productive? So let me give you two different ways to look at it. Number one, the ratings for baseball teams mean nothing. <laughs> no one focuses on that. When you are negotiating to sign a new local TV deal, the way that Tampa did with Fox Sports Florida, which then became Sinclair, then became Bally's, whatever they're called now, ratings never come up. Ever. Hey, look, we're doing great. We did a five. We've got 30,000 people. We've got 80,000 people watching. How great is that? No, it's based on subs, the number of subscribers and what you pay to have that channel on your platform, in your cable platform. That is how the RSNs make their money. So I've always tried to tell people, thank you for telling me that no one's watching Marlins games. Thank you for telling me that everybody's watching Marlins games. Thank you for sending out the press release that yesterday's game was the highest rated game since game four of the 2006 world. Who cares? No one cares. That's number one. Number two, Tampa as a city, can they support baseball? In the old days when Camden Yards came on when Century Link Field, although I don't think that's where they play anymore, wherever the White Sox are when that stadium opened, opening a new ballpark was the panacea. Your revenue went up tenfold. Your expenses only went up twofold. You drew more, more people. Attendance was good. It was just really sexy and awesome to have a new stadium. Tampa and Oakland are now at the end of the new stadium sort of generation just like Miami was, and Miami opened in 2012. 
Miami's new ballpark was not the panacea that we thought it would be. It did not lead to increased attendance. It did not lead to increased anything other than the value of the team, which is only good if you sell, which our owner did. So the biggest concern that Stu has is that even if he gets a ballpark built in Tampa, not in St. Pete, that it will not draw over 81 games what it needs to to get their gate revenue where it needs to be to compete with the Red Sox and Yankees and even Blue Jays in the AL East. So if you're just trying to lessen the gap between your low revenue team, and I say low revenue, not small market, between your low revenue team and the high revenue teams in your division, like Boston, New York, if you can't really close the gap significantly, then the juice is not worth the squeeze. And that's the issue that Stu is having right now. And that's the reason he doesn't want to put a whole lot of money into the project because the risk is too great. David, how do you think this thing ultimately ends with the Rays in your heart of hearts? Do they relocate to a Nashville or pick a city or do they find a new home in Tampa Bay, city of Tampa, wherever it may be? As Judy Dench said in Shakespeare in Love, I believe it ends with tears and a journey, as most <laughs> things do. And uh, <sighs> I, th I think that uh, Tampa's in trouble, right? Mm. They've got the lease at the Trop that goes through, God, I forgot to raise it, 28? Something like 27. That. 27. Yeah, 27. So 28 would be the first year they can be somewhere else. Correct. So there's still time. You can have a new ballpark open in 28 and you can start construction in 25. You just have to have a deal negotiated by 24. And to do that, you better start putting it together in late 22. So they're not at the edge of the cliff yet. Mm -hmm. And that's really what got us the ballpark in Miami. What I'll tell people when I give speeches is that I did it. I went around and got this deal done because I am David. Nah, it's not really true. It got done because we were hanging on by the edge of our fingernails because Steve Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, where the Marlins used to play, Old Dolphin Stadium, which is now called Hard Rock Stadium, we had a letter sent to us by Steve Ross that I carried around in my bag that said, you are not invited to play here after 2011. Simply not. So I got to take that letter to baseball and say, hey, if we don't have a new ballpark by 2012, we have to relocate. You have to give us an opportunity to play somewhere because if you don't, then you are telling our franchise that we can't exist. And that's not allowed. So Stu is not at that point yet because they still have a place to play, albeit it's not great, albeit the revenue stinks, but they're not right at the edge. So you've got a few years of this left to go before there's resolution. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? It doesn't make any sense at all. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could possibly need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to all of your auto part needs. Again, go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and remember, right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you to the right place. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. 
David, if the Rays hired you on as a consultant to get a new stadium built, what would be your game plan plan of action? Is it what they're doing right now with the split city talk or you would change gears? No, my gears would change so much that they'd creak. Like when someone doesn't (laughs) know how to drive a manual car and it goes, I would definitely change gears. And Stu said something to me very telling about their stadium effort. He's not willing, nor are any of his top lieutenants, whether it's Matt or Brian, And I say this with love because I have such great respect for them, such jealousy of the way they run their baseball organization. They're not willing to be hated. They're not willing to be unpopular. They're not willing to do the things that I was willing to do to get a deal done. Nothing nefarious, nothing illegal, but I was willing to be the public face of a project that I knew would not be popular, but was the right thing for the community and the right thing for us as the owner and for me as president. And what they've been unwilling to do is do or say anything that would possibly hurt their earned stellar reputations. And in order to get a ballpark done, in order to get any deal done with a governmental entity, you have to be willing to not be liked. And they're just not willing right now. Uh, Speaking of not being well-liked, back in May, David, uh, the Rays minority owners filed a lawsuit against Stu Sternberg. Uh, the group is alleging that he secretly negotiated a potential sale to Montreal investors. Uh, is this just a BS lawsuit? Does anything come out of this thing? Well, speaking as someone who's gotten sued by all his partners time and time <laughs> again, both in Montreal and in Florida, I'm a veteran at the limited partner <laughs> lawsuit situation. And we absolutely crushed the Montreal limited partners And it did not go necessarily as well uh, with the Florida limited partners in certain small ways. Not that I've ever talked about it. Not that I will, unless you ask. But the bottom line is uh, the lawsuit that was actually filed against Stu was sort of a breach of an agreement and a breach of fiduciary duty and a lack of communication. The third one is irrelevant. Partnership agreements talk about what the general partner has the power to do. And one of the things the general partner has the power to do is to ask for money. And when money is not given by limited partners, he's allowed to dilute those partnership shares. He's allowed to buy limited partner shares. He's allowed to set a price and have an arm's length transaction to get more of the team, to put him in more control. I do not see him as having done anything illegal or wrong or in violation of the four corners of their agreement. It's extremely hard for LPs to prevail because always remember what George Steinbrenner said. There is nothing more limiting than being a limited partner. How about that? Uh, David, I think on the, look, Ulysses is already signed and has a lot of thoughts right now. But David, I think it was on your podcast when you kind of relayed or discussed the story of how you went about getting a new ballpark. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you like traveled to San Antonio and wore a cowboy hat and and the cowboy and really did this whole song and dance about, yeah, we're uh, San Antonio. We're looking for your business, that type of thing. But is there, you know, there's been so much talk recently about expansion, MLB expansion to 32 markets. And it's, it's the pick a city, Vegas, Nashville, Charlotte, Orlando has even been discussed in, in your mind. Is there, are there two markets you think that are viable for MLB expansion in the future? 
the, the two most uh, you know important ones there? So what makes a market viable is the existence of a fully funded state-of-the-art ballpark mm-hmm. and a competitive TV deal, either a network that is started or an existing sports network that's willing to pay a tremendous rights fee. And the problem is the sports network model has really changed because of the cord cutting. It's really changed in terms of what used to be you where you'd start your own network and say, we're rich, everything's great. It's just not that easy anymore. And by the way, Amazon's taking over the world. So Amazon (laughs) could end up becoming a player in local rights deals, but I digress. So to be a good expansion market, you need those two things. Third, you need an ownership group that's willing to pay an expansion fee in the billion-dollar-plus range. So not only do you need someone to pay that fee, then you need them to be well-capitalized enough to run a team, and then you need the community to provide the ballpark, and then you need the TV deal in place. If those things happen, then you've got a good expansion market. The reason why MLB does not want Tampa or Oakland to move into one of those potential expansion markets is that they want all of them bidding against each other when the league does go to 32, which they are going to go to 32, not just because the existing owners want current day cash to make up for their COVID losses, but also it makes sense for realignment. It makes sense for the schedule. Everything about 32 is better than 30 in Major League Baseball. They are going to get to 32. And the reason why they're delaying, no matter what Rob Manfred says, we're delaying because we're not ready for this or that, it's horse hockey. They're delaying because they've got to take care of the Tampa and Oakland situation. And if you eliminate two markets because they're granted expansion, that's two fewer pieces of leverage that Tampa and Oakland have as they negotiate with their home cities. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track it all at bet online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information as well. Again, head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Again, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Sign up at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Well, um, I think that does it for Stadium Saga talk for me, Kevin, yeah. because my high blood pressure is just going <laughs> off the roof as a race fan. Um, wow, that was a lot. Okay, so Can I interrupt you for one second? Yes, of course. Your anxiety level should be at zero as a race fan. You yeah. have had such a great run. You have the best front office in baseball, the smartest people, the most disciplined people. Some of it is forced discipline, which we're supposed to have when you have a low payroll, but discipline nonetheless. You have an owner who really lets his people do their job. He doesn't get emotional about players and forced signings and forced trades. You've got a front office that gets rid of players a year too early instead of a year too late, which is the way you want to do it. You are this year competing to win the division again and potentially getting back to the World Series for a second time, which would be a third time in franchise history. The only thing you don't have is a ring, but you are this close to having another chance in 21 to get a ring. So I think you got to ease down the anxiety and realize that you could be a fan like of the Mariners 
yeah, right? that's true. Or of, of, of myriad other teams who have not been in the position that you've been granted as a Tampa Bay fan. That, I think Ulysses true. is anxious about the future of the Rays in Tampa Bay. He might have to move to Nashville and buy a condo or an apartment there or something. <laughs> so, so let me address that in terms of anxiety because I'm a professional of anxiety because I have Good. it. Okay. It is the worst plan ever to worry about something that you cannot control and then project how you're going to feel when something happens in the future that had nothing to do with anything you either did or didn't do or worked not hard enough or too hard. You literally, literally have zero to do. You can go out and get 20,000 people to go to every game yourself, and it will not impact whether a stadium gets built or whether the team moves or relocates or is sold. So if I were you, I would enjoy this moment because none of us is guaranteed more moments. So don't ruin now because you're worried about later. Got Yes, I'm I'm 100% and in, in, uh, that's exactly the kind of mindset that you have to have. And besides, like you said, the race have been incredibly su successful, especially since um, 2018, getting that 90 win streak, 90, 96, 40 and 20 in the short season. And like you said, right now they're competing for that division. Um, but trade deadline, it, the trade deadline is, is coming. And, and as race fans, we like to, uh, you know, ponder what, what could be, what couldn't be. As you have that experience in the front office, in, in, in the thick of things, do you remember a trade that you didn't pull just because one reason or another that still bugs you? Like, and now you're like, oh man, that's trade from 05, man, I, that, that we could have done that. Or like, oh, you know what? Thank God we didn't do that. I was right. I said no. And look at what happened there. Do you still have those trades in, in, in your mind? Can I answer that with a little story? Yes. Please. If you don't mind if you have time. <laughs> Two minutes. Yes. My favorite show is MASH. My favorite actor of all time is Alan Alda. Oh. Alan Alda, who's still around and, and yes. still unbelievable. And, I, and I, I love him. And I had a chance to meet him and actually have a conversation with him. And I thanked him for doing MASH. And I said to him that MASH got me through college and law school because whenever I was stressed, I would watch an episode of MASH. I remember where I was. I was in ninth grade when Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen came up. And I said to him, I want to tell you about my favorite episode. I said, it's an episode called The Joker is Wild. And it was about practical jokes. And it's the greatest episode of all 272. He looked at me and he said, thank you, David but I don't remember that at all. And huh. I was, I couldn't believe that he didn't remember something that meant so much to me. And now all of these years later, I know exactly what he's talking about because over 18 years, there's so much that goes on, so many trades that happen, don't happen, could have happened, so many conversations, so many games that happen with situations where you just don't remember and then someone brings it back to you and you remember it sometimes. Other times you're blank and you have to pretend and you say, oh yeah, I totally remember that. <laughs> I don't have in my mind when you ask me that question, a specific trade that didn't happen because there's thousands. Because what wow. you do at the deadline is you call all 29 other teams and you present trades to them. So don't believe all of the pundits and the media people who say, it turns out the A's have interest in John Cocktoston or the Rays are looking at making the following deal. 
we never paid attention to one thing the media said because it was all made up, but we're calling every team because we have a list of the rosters of every team. We know exactly how much money we can take on. We know exactly what we're looking to do. And if we were to acquire a player, which player that player would replace, what we would do to finagle the roster to make room for that particular trade. We're looking ahead at next year's payroll, the payroll after that. I would carry around a piece of paper with my one, three, and five-year payroll. So all that's in your head. You're making tons of calls. You're getting tons of calls. So nothing specifically sticks out. You know, I've talked about the Jose Fernandez trade Mm. that was completed to the Diamondbacks for Patrick Corbin and Brandon Drury and several other players, including A.J. Pollock at that time. And that was a big trade that was done, except for Ken Kendrick, the owner of the Diamondbacks, changed his mind at the last minute. Because you always say, when we do trades, totally off the subject, I feel like I'm doing a nothing personal episode, (laughs) totally off the subject, but we'll negotiate a full trade. It'll be completely done, but we always say the following thing, pending owner's approval. It's not about a meddling owner. It's not about that at all. You need to have one final out in order to have a fresh look at the trade, take the night, sleep on it, go back to some of your scouts. And you always say pending owner's approval because if you change your mind, you get to blame it on the owner. Sometimes the owner says no. Artie Moreno's famous for that. Uh, Ken Kendrick is famous for that. And I believe he's the one who said no to the Jose Fernandez trade. But at the end of the day, that was a trade that I'm thankful didn't happen because I got, well, it's, it's mixed actually as I think about it because of his tragic passing that led to the sale of the Marlins when our owner walked into my office and said, sell the team because it's not fun anymore without Jose. And that really changed the entire franchise. But uh, that's a trade that I recall was fully done and then got changed. Albert Pujols was a Marlin. That was fully done until Artie Moreno swept in in 2012 and offered him 40 extra million dollars. And when I woke up the next morning on Dan Lozano's couch, who's his agent, where I passed out in his suite and was told that he is going to the Angels. I remember that very well. So there's just a tons of tons of examples of, of deals that you think are going to happen that don't, deals that you don't want to happen. Every deadline, uh, we actually would have a dream trade scenario, which is a trade that we would do and what we, but we don't think the other team would do. So we would call the team and we did this with the Dodgers a lot before Andrew Friedman got there. Uh, Cause he would never entertain crazy stuff like that, but we would call the Dodgers and say, Hey, would you trade? If we give you Josh Beckett, would you give us Manny Ramirez? I mean, something like that, which would just be totally outrageous because it's a trade that if we offered, we do, but it's a trade that we knew they'd say no to. Huh. And, and talking about, those, you know, the, the, the owner saying yes, pending approval for, for the owner, are there differences in the red tape that other franchises have? Like, did you have an experience like, wow, there's literally no red tape with the race or no, there's a lot of bureaucracy there. You have to talk to this guy, this guy, this guy. Is there a lot of differences between franchises? There, there is actually, because some people, some teams have owners where they're just not as reachable or they take a lot of time to make decisions. We had a very tight top of the, uh, um, 
corporate structure where it was the owner, Jeffrey Loria. I was the president and we had a president of baseball operations, whether it was Larry Beinfest or Mike Hill or with the Expos, our GM was Jim Beatty. And we spoke every day, several times a day. So we were able to get back to free agents who we wanted to sign or to trade partners when we wanted to make trades. We were able to get back immediately because we had an owner who was engaged and interested and a part of it all the time. So we never had an issue. And that's how we got our stadium done on time and under budget because we had very few people. We really did do a, a pyramid to a point where there were just three of us in charge of the entire ballpark which was the owner, me, and a guy named Claude Delorme, our head of ballpark operations. And we made every decision, every one of them, and we, were, and we communicated every day. So it's like any company you work for, the frustration that you feel when your boss doesn't get back to you quickly enough, it's because your boss's boss is not getting back to him quickly enough, and your boss doesn't have the latitude to make decisions without your boss's boss getting involved. In baseball, at least with the Marlins, my boss and the person who worked for me, the president of baseball ops. So the president of baseball ops boss and boss's boss, which was the owner, we were very much in sync all the time. Very interesting. David, we don't have much time here uh, left, but I do want to get through some rapid fire questions if uh, okay. you can indulge. Uh, first off, the most talented player during your tenure with the Marlins slash Expos? Raw talent? Raw talent. Vladimir Guerrero. Okay. What number two? Number two. Who is number two as far as raw talent? I am curious about that. Uh, pitching Jose Fernandez and hitting Miguel Cabrera. That is Ulysses, maybe his favorite player of all time, countrymen, <laughs> Venezuelan countrymen, yes. uh, Miguel Cabrera. By the way, if you want some great Miggy stories uh, do go to David Sampson's uh, podcast and the, the Levitard Hour as well. There's some some great nuggets there. Uh, which player was the biggest headache to deal with in your career? God, you got to get online for that. Uh, I, I would say that uh, Tom Kohler was a headache, even though I love him and we're still friends mm -hmm. today because he was so involved in stuff going on in the clubhouse, but never in a negative way. The biggest negative headache guy was probably a, a, a role player named Jeff Baker or a pitcher named AJ Burnett uh, when he was a Marlin because he was just immature. But headache is is that you're saying that is a negative word, right? Right. Like, correct. Like, so, oh, my so God, those guys. this guy again. Like, come on. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you. Uh, which player was the, the most delightful to deal with in terms of he was great with the media community service every time. You ask for something, team leadership in the clubhouse, basically a great ambassador for the team. Who was that guy in your career? I'm going to say Juan Pierre. Nice. Okay. Juan Pierre was a guy who was, uh, he just loved playing and he was there early, stayed late. He would do anything in the community because he understood how lucky he was. That's the thing in baseball. And in any time you are in an entertainment, uh, in the entertainment world, if you don't appreciate how lucky you are, and you make people feel as though that they are not worthy of your time, then you're just a jerk. And uh, we're all so lucky to be in that industry and to make memories for people. And some players got it and some players didn't. That 03 okay. team was just so fun to watch. And Juan Pierre was definitely one of them. He was always smiling. And as a fan, as a kid, I was 12 years old, like you loved rooting for players like that. I mean, you take out the dynamic and the power and, and the fun, uh, uh, funness of the game, but seeing 
players smile. That gets to the fan. Uh, two other quick hitters here, David, and then we'll let you go. Uh, what is one thing that baseball needs to do in the next CBA to make the sport better, more enjoyable, viable, et cetera? One, if there's one overarching thing. Pay younger players more, but insist that players both go to the all-star game and are available to market themselves. Okay. And then finally, the biggest misconception that fans and media have about running a baseball franchise or about the sport in general, that they can do it better. <laughs> right. So okay. it's, it's the number one thing. Everyone calls me and writes me and tweets to me, God, you suck. I can do it way better than you. Well, I can't do your job better than you can do it. And you can't do my job better than I can do it. And uh, I'm not saying I'm right all the time because I'm not, and I'm not saying you're right all the time in your job. But what I am saying is that in sports, especially, there's so much emotion involved that fans believe because of their emotional attachment to a team that they are in a better position to run a team. But as I like to say on nothing personal, it's just business. And if you have that emotional attachment, you are not able to properly run the business. Very well put. David, finally, where and how can people find you as far as reaching out on social media, your podcast, et cetera? So I'm on Twitter at David P. Sampson. I have fun with it. We're not curing cancer. We're not splitting the atom. I view it as a place to inf be informed and inform. I try to educate people on my show, Nothing Personal with David Sampson, which is available everywhere you get your podcasts. It's also a YouTube channel, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Basically, we give you 45 minutes a day for you to think. I'm not going to tell you what to think. I'm going to give you all the facts. You can make your own decision. I'm going to take away the curtain that exists the secrecy around sports because I've been there. I've done it as opposed to other people who talk to you on podcasts or shows. They're speculating what goes on. I'm not speculating because I've been there. Again, we want to thank David Sampson for joining us and providing great insight, information, and entertainment on today's show. That wraps up this edition of the Locked on Rays podcast. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episodes of the Locked on Today and Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.